It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday's Sports Talk with you today until 11 o'clock, a sports show with no sports, per se, to talk about, but we're kind of getting used to that. We've got uh, four guests lined up for you. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. You know, why you say that there's no sports, there's an awful lot of sports activity. There's sports topics. <laughs> right. You're right. Absolutely. Lots of recruiting going on and, and uh, you know, just all kinds of confusion out there. I think one of the most interesting things I've read is any school that's lucky enough to be back in business should allow their athletes to play. And that means that if one campus is, let's say in the Big Ten, is is operating and another not, I guess the one that's operating would be allowed to play the games. I mean, how can you stop them? Well, that's to be determined. I don't know oh, how, yeah. you, how you deal with that. There's been some talk about that, and you and I have talked on and off the air about the SEC. They'd probably start uh, next weekend if they'd let them. You know, they're, they're, they're uh, bound to determine they're going to play football, and yeah. they're in a situation maybe where they can. And uh, it could be that uh, you've got leagues going on and playing and others that aren't. Well, our question is with the Big Ten spread out the way it is, yeah. with some East Coast Penn State says in, they want to play, right? Yep. Uh, James Franklin said uh, he thinks they'll have students on campus and uh, they should be allowed to play even if the rest of the Big Ten is not. Now, I'm not sure what uh, the new commissioner would have to say well, about well, that. Right away, I, the first thing I think about is New York. What about teams in New York or teams in New York City in that area? Would they be allowed to play? There's not much football going on out there anyway. But uh, I would think that if Rutgers could get their team together, and by the way, the new coach is, is recruiting hard and, and brought in 10 or 11 players uh, just recently announced. Or not, not brought in. They're committed for the next se- the following season. But my point is that the thing that I always come back to is that Illinois is is being evaluated so much by Pritzker on what's happening in Chicago. Will the University of Illinois be affected by rulings that pertain to a Chicago? I just don't know. Well, Rutgers is in a similar situation. They're in a hotbed out there. They're, they're yeah. pretty close to, You're to, right. to New York City. New Jersey has been hit hard. Yeah, I, I lived out there a couple of years, and I, it was only an hour drive from uh, Fort Monmouth to uh, downtown New York City. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to be determined, and here we are on uh, the 9th of May. As you mentioned right before we came on, we're 20 days almost, uh, 21 days from uh, June, and baseball's talking about playing in July. Yeah, now talk about that a little bit. If, if they started, let's say, by the 10th of June, that would give them enough practice time to start by the 4th of July, do you think? That's I all? think so. I think it, it would affect... Pitchers only go four or five innings. <laughs> right, and it would affect how many guys you had in your starting rotation, perhaps. You might have a five- or six-man starting rotation early. So you're optimistic about that? Well, I'm hopeful. How about that? Where would they play, Steve? I like the plan. Nobody's asking me, but I, I think... The plan that is getting the most attention is no National League, no American League this year. Three 
10 team divisions, regionally based, and they would play in their home stadiums and travel would be minimal or certainly not going to the West Coast. You'd be going to Chicago to play the Cubs and the White Sox. You'd be going to Milwaukee, talking to the Cardinals. And uh, those teams would be going to St. Louis. And Cleveland's in there. Minnesota's in there, I believe. And I just saw where one of the airlines that has been doing a lot of the, uh, the uh, travel for football has been basically closed. I mean, maybe not to return. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I wonder how that would affect. I wonder if baseball would be affected. They have their own planes, don't they? They do. Yeah, so if you were, how much quarantining would have to go on, though, to, in order to play baseball? I mean, how many, you're talking about playing without fans? I think so. Boy, that's scary. I don't like that, but uh, again. Uh, well, the, <laughs> the, the TV money is an awful, you know, but I, I did see where Silver said for the NBA, 40% of the money comes, has in the past, come from attendance, fans in seats. Mm-hmm. So that means if you were able If you're drawing to, 3 million fans, you're feeling that. Yeah. So that means that, you know, you're, you're only going to get 60% of your income even if you play the games, <laughs> you know, TV. That, the TV would provide 60% of it. When anybody in sports says it's not about the money, it's always about the money. Yeah. Whether it's, yeah. Whether it's a contract well, it would for be, a player. It, it would be roughly, roughly. 75 or 80 million dollar hit for the University of Athletic Association if they did not play football this what was season. The, what's the number? Has it been determined the number um, that the hit was for not having the NCAA basketball tournament? Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I, I, all I know is that uh, Josh Whitman said something to the effect that it was only a 2.5 million dollar hit. I say only because that's out of a 130 million dollar budget. They can absorb that. Uh, get you know you can get through that, but still there's going to have to be furloughs. There's gonna, did you see what West Virginia did? West Virginia has as Huggins has taken a ten percent hit as of all, head coaches have taken a ten percent as and the athletic director, and they've laid off. Listen to this furlough for people that work for the university, not just athletics. Eight hundred and seventy-five people on a two-month furlough. Wango, two months without pay. Arizona did something similar, but their pay cut was 20% for the, uh, yeah. for the coaches. I just wonder what will happen at the University of Illinois when Josh gets around to making the cuts that probably he should make. or will ha- you know, There's going to be furloughs. There's going to be people not working. There's going to be people laid off for a time and, t- and people taking cuts. Everybody knows somebody that has been laid off or furloughed or lost their job completely. It's not a fun thing, and uh, the numbers – show that and I think that's going to go on for a while. Well here's what we have planned today. The phone line will be open throughout. We have a couple of built-in open line segments for you coming up. Our first guest coming up after our first break is Howard Griffith from uh, Big Ten Network, former Illini running back. We'll talk about Big Ten football recruiting and some other items with him. At 9.30 some more football recruiting conversation. Edgy Tim O'Halloran will join us from Chicago. EdgyTim.Rivals.com is where you can follow him. Yeah, he had, uh, he had his last big camp of 500 high school players uh, as of January, I believe. And so he's still really involved, and, and he keeps close touch on what's happening in recruiting in the state of Illinois, which, 
which Illinois is really falling be behind in that. Again, this year for a fourth straight year that Illinois has fallen behind in in-state recruiting. After Edgy Tim at 945, we'll have an open line for you until 10. At 10 o'clock, Illinois assistant basketball coach Stephen Gentry will join us to talk about how he's handling uh, the situation that we're in now and what might be new on the um, X and O's part of the game. He's a big analytical guy yeah, and uh, kind of a, a very effective uh, addition to the uh, Brad Underwood staff. At 10.15, another open line segment. At 10.30, gentleman by the name of Jeremy Wu from Sports Illustrated will join us to talk about uh, the NBA draft. That's his specialty, kind of his beat. We'll ask him what uh, he thinks the feeling is about Io and Kofi. I saw a new mock draft today, and, and Io was 52nd. In other words, the last 10 of the second round. And that's about where he... Well, I shouldn't say that about where he, he's in some and, and not in some. I saw one where he was 48th, I believe, mm -hmm. and that's the maybe the highest I've seen, but at least he's inside that second round. Kofi has not knocked into the uh, second round yet in any of the mock drafts I've seen. Yeah, it doesn't look like Kofi would be drafted, although if he did stay in, somebody might take a chance on that body. It only takes one. <laughs> yeah. You know, if he's getting the intel that uh, – Well, they like to they – like you know, draft on the come. When you get down that low, you might as well. Who's going to be better two or three years from now? That's what really matters at that point. Right. If he gets intel that uh, somebody's going to do that, then that certainly might uh, affect his decision. And uh, that, so that's our guest lineup. A couple of opportunities there for an open line if you want to join us. If you have any questions for any of our guests, you can do that as well. The NCAA sent out some adjusted recruiting regulations earlier this week. Uh, nothing major there, but... Uh, uh, it involved dead periods and things like that, so we can uh, get into that along the way. We'll talk more about baseball. Jim Harbaugh had a thesis, if you will. Did you read that? I did. <laughs> uh, directed to the football community, and he says you should be able to be one and done in college football. What do you think? Well, I don't think that most guys are physically ready, right. but uh, it's... Uh, it's an arbitrary rule in baseball and football that you have to wait three seasons, and uh, I don't know why you have to wait three and you only have to wait one in basketball. I don't know what's the difference. I think there is a difference in in uh, in throwing a, a young guy into the football mix, and I don't think that the players' association in football really want that. I don't think they want young guys coming. They want to protect their older guys anyway. Sure, and the uh, NCAA Kansas back and forth and you've been following that as have I you probably more so than me and maybe at, at some point we'll get uh, a guest on here in the next week or so to talk a little bit more about that but that's turned into a he said she said kind of deal and it's one of the most complicated uh, cases I've ever uh, run across in trying to understand it because on one hand uh, the accused sneaker companies uh, uh, those are accused by the FBI and the in the uh, in violating the law, and we're talking about law, and not NCA. Uh, the, the sneaker companies were accused of fraud, or charged with fraud, uh, against colleges for paying players uh, to wear their products. Okay, that's fraud against the sneaker companies. Now, in this ruling against Kansas, they're essentially telling the the sneaker companies that you are a booster. And therefore, when you give $100,000 to Bowen or somebody, uh, 
you know, this is a, a violation. You've now, you're now a, a booster, and that's illegal. It's the exact opposite of the previous ruling by the FBI, if you can understand that. In other words, tell me, that, who do the sneaker companies represent? Do they represent boosters, or do they represent a, an outside agency uh, paying players? It's a strange one. And I think that uh, Kansas is going to fight this, and it's going to be it's going to require a, a judge, and, and you know, to make a, a really uh, interesting decision. It's different but similar to what North Carolina went through, and then uh, they didn't. didn't well, I mean, now, it's a different subject. It's but. a different subject, and and and, and the, the 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 attorneys for North Carolina found a real good, a great loophole in the fact that. Other students were allowed to take the same classes that the that the athletes took. I say took; they didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, got free classes in Afro Afro American studies, but they did come up with a legitimate excuse. I don't know what's going to be the excuse. The, the, the NCA has, has charged self with that he embraced, welcomed, and encouraged Adidas to pay his players, and they paid ninety thousand dollars to Bill Preston's mother twenty. Uh, $20,000 to Silvio de Sosa's guardian, 15000 to the mother of DeAndre Dayton, and I don't know how that Bowen thing worked out. They also tried to pay other players that they didn't get, which means that other shoe companies apparently came up with them, outbid them. You know, by the way, there's an interesting thing in there. Under Armour offered 15000 to a to a player, and was outbid by Kansas. Under Armour was working for Maryland. Maryland's in the Big Ten. Maryland's not being charged. My question to you is, Steve, if you're Nike or Under Armour and you bid and you don't get them, did you cheat? <laughs> you know, if you get if you get outbid by Adidas, and do you blow the whistle on Adidas? You can't no, already know. No, I'd nobody be, blows the whistle. Well, I know, but. Uh, it's <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Did you cheat if the money is not accepted? Yeah, if you made an offer, right, and and, and you got outbid. The only reason that they're offering this much money, Adidas, is because they have to make that they have to offer that much in order to outbid the other uh, shoe companies that are bidding. And in Adidas, Adidas's case, they've got very few clients overall, so they're they're really is that right? Yeah, they don't have that many. Uh, Kansas, Indiana's one, I think, in the Big Ten, but uh, they don't have the client list that Nike has for sure. Yep. 9.15, need to take our first time out. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open, 356-9397. We're back with more after this. Stay with us. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who has two more names for a possible starting five next season. Maybe Iodesumu and Kofi Coburn? Welcome back to the show, everybody. The world may be on lockdown, but Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk rolls on with you until 11 o'clock today. Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate, welcome to the program. Our friend Howard Griffith from Chicago, BTN. How are you, Howard, these days? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in there like everybody else. Uh, what, uh, what has changed in your life? What uh, adjustments have you had to make? Well, myself and also we're... we're uh, Quite a few more groceries being bought. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as quiet as it used to be. 
Uh, so, so, you know, we're making the best of it, obviously. It's a tough situation for us all, but, you know, we're just trying to make the best of it right now. You've got a son who is a college football player. What uh, what are you hearing about um, the way he's dealing with this and kind of what maybe you think might be happening in the fall? Are we going to see college what? football and Big Ten football in the fall? I have really no idea. Um you know, it's it's going to be up to you know what the doctors are saying, uh, what the governor says, obviously in in different states. It's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that you're going to be able to have kids not have kids on campus, but have a football team there. So, uh, I think once the once the universities reopen, hopefully, you know, there's going to be enough testing for everyone, and not just the athletes, but also the, the student body and the professors that have to come in and teach. So. We think we still have a long way to go, but I think the science will tell us ultimately when the football season will ultimately start. Uh, Griff, this is Lauren. Do you see any possibility that, um, based on what you know of the Big Ten position and Warren, who's new to this, that if some programs are ready and others aren't, would the programs that are ready be allowed to go forward? In other words, a partial Big Ten as opposed to all the Big Ten. Hey, Lauren, that, that is a fascinating question. Um, and, and I have to believe uh, the universities, uh, the commissioners, and, and they're all talking about a lot of different scenarios uh, about how uh, they'll be able to move these student-athletes forward. It, but you talk about having a competitive advantage if the state of Illinois is opened up and the state of Pennsylvania isn't or, or Michigan isn't. I mean, you know, what do you do to be able to try to keep the competitive balance and I think those are going to be some tough questions that are that are going to have to be answered and start to be figured out. But I, I'm, I'm guessing it's a lot of smart people in the commissioner's office, so including himself. Um, so I, I think they're going through all sorts of scenarios to see what best is going to suit um, the student athletes in the conference. You know, uh, competitive balance may not be the main issue <laughs> with the yep. with the virus. I mean, they may have they may no take, doubt they may have to take a year of backseat on on a on that. And just I would think if if certain programs are ready to go, I, I the thing I I brought up earlier and I worry about is that the University of Illinois may be evaluated based on how Pritzker sees Chicago and Chicago as opposed to downstate Illinois. Do you see a difference yeah. there? Could could you have different rules for downstate as opposed to Chicago? And, and I think you can, but that's where, that's why all of this is, is really so fascinating and, and so much of an unknown, right? You open up Champagne, uh, but you have students and you have student athletes from the Chicago area that now come to Champagne uh, and now are there. So are they potentially spreading the virus? So I think it all ultimately comes back to being able to have uh, as much testing, the testing available. And reality is there's a vaccine that's going to be needed because you talk about uh, these universities, these are a world-class universities with, with young people coming from all over the world back to their campuses if they're able to do that. So there's so many moving parts. Uh, you know, I heard yesterday, which I think made a little bit of sense when we talk about the NFL, that with the NFL play a season, if they're not going to have fans, why would they bother playing in the stadium? Why wouldn't they play at some of their practice facilities that they have? Or would you have a team in California that may be closed down Do you now play those games in, say, Las Vegas or Arizona? So I think there's so many, there's so many uh, 
thoughts and ideas about how to move uh, sports forward right now that we, we still just don't know because, as you mentioned, it, it varies from state to state. Visiting with Howard Griffith, your son, Houston, was at Notre Dame, correct? Yes. And uh, so how is he dealing with this? What kind of contact is he having with the coaching staff there? Well, you know, they do their Zoom meetings uh, when they're able to sit down and watch film and do that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, he's ready to get back to camp. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and, um, you know, we love having him around. But, you know, he's ready to be back on campus amongst his friends, amongst his, uh, you know, classmates and that sort of thing. Because, you know, it's, it has to be frustrating. It's one thing to be back at home, but you're back at home and, and we're under a stay-at-home, um, you know, uh, laws or rulings or, or what have you. But it's just tough for young people right now. I would hate to be them at this point because I could only imagine how stir-crazy I would be going when I was a college student and I came home just for the weekend. I was wanting to stay out of the house. Now, you know, the young folks are forced to stay in, but, uh, it, it, this, too, hopefully will pass and um, be able to move forward. Let's pretend we're moving forward, uh, and let's talk some football. Illinois got to a bowl game last year. The recruiting uh, for the Illini seems to be uh, a little bit slow right now, especially in-state. Have you given that yeah. much thought, and why do you think uh, maybe uh, it's been a problem for Lovey Smith and uh, the Illinois coaches recruiting the state of Illinois, the home state? Well, they've been recruiting the state. They really have, and they've offered, uh, they've offered a lot of kids in the state. Um, it just has not been able to get those kids to commit. They've, they've gone other places, whether it was to Oregon, whether it's Vanderbilt. They've, they've just decided to go other places, and, you know, it's tough. But it, I don't think it's from a lack of trying. Uh, they, recruited a different, they recruited a different style and a different pace than, the, I would say, some places like Penn State, some places like Minnesota, um, they're not as aggressive, uh, which is just the way they want to do things. And I think you have to be very nimble, particularly now, right, because, you know, we don't even know what's going to happen with high school football either, right, because, you know, you have these up-and-coming rising seniors, uh, rising juniors that, you know, have not been offered and still need to be evaluated. So, you know, I think it – they're going to have to continue to be more aggressive, which I think they will. They're going to have to continue to you know, use the tape to the best of their ability to try to project and evaluate uh, the players that, that can best come to the university and be able to them. They did get a great pickup in Brian Hightower, and I was really excited to see that one, the transfer from Miami. Uh, Griff, when you were in high school uh, and you came to the University of Illinois, I believe it was a walk-on uh, to begin yep. with. And, mm-hmm. and and made your way from that point, but was what was the feeling? How many? Uh, I, I haven't checked. Uh, how many uh, Illinois preps do you think we brought in about that time? I mean, what percentage Ooh, of the? Of the... Uh, well, I, that would that'd be interesting because I, I I think the year I came in just from the city, the metro area, you had uh, Frank Hartley, Mel Agee, mm-hmm. um, but I I think the key, honestly. You got Chicago, you got St. Louis, you got Indianapolis. You in those three areas, I believe that was where the majority of the players that came in, at least in their '86 class, and probably uh, a few years before that as well. But you were able to to go in that tri-state area 
like into those three three states and really be able to 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 have a lot of success. I mean, you think about Keith Jones coming out of St. Louis, Henry Jones, you know, guys. Then even in Indianapolis, we talk about guys like Brownlow and Mo Gardner, but it even reached down to Lawrenceburg, Indiana, where we got Jason Gardner and Chris Green. So yeah. It just depends if you can, and they've made a decision. They they want to spend time in Texas and Florida, and, and that's great. I think the previous staffs that have had a lot of success uh, have recruited a little bit different, and you know that's just part of uh, you know the the way the way this game is now. Uh, you know, you, you have you have coaches that are from other parts of the state, other parts of the country that may have uh, connections in other areas, and they really go and recruit those areas hard. But it's no question, uh, I think, it's, it's twofold. I think Illinois has to continue to recruit the state of Illinois. Uh, I think the high school coaches also have to do, a, I would say, a better job of, of pushing the, the, the state school if, that, if that's the case. What's your reaction to the number? Illinois has got 13 transfers ready to play this year. If there's a season, they got – and these aren't just – Average transfer. This is Peters at quarterback, right. and this is, yep. you know, Bebe at the receiver, and this is Eifler at outlast house linebacker, and then you got Ford mm-hmm. tied. I mean, these are good players. What's your reaction to the way it seems to be working in that direction toward transfers? Uh, you know, it's been working for them. Uh, it really has. You look last year, and obviously this year. Um, you know, they're they're really building this team, and really, it's a it's a huge influx of talent in talent that is played at the college level. So that's obviously a boost for you. I think the challenge is how do you, uh, how do you keep that balance between knowing that you, it appears at least for the last couple of years, you're going to be a program that's going to go out and go after uh, transfers and grad transfers to be able to come in and help your program versus the young people that are coming through high school that are signing and being able to keep those players engaged and having them understand, look, you know, we're just, we want you here because we think you can help build the program, but we also are going to continue to use the, the transfer portal as a way of uh, boosting the talent level on the, on the team. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a tough balance for them, but, you know, they're committed to it, and I think they want to make sure that it can work out for them. Should first-year uh, transfers be uh, eligible immediately? <laughs> I would say this. I would I think it should be a one-time transfer. I think you should have the ability to do that and be eligible right away, and then the next time you have to go to the waiver system and also but not even the waiver system. You'd have to sit out a year. But listen, I, I think that you know we've gotten to a point now. I know the NCAA has pushed this off a little bit, but you know if, if a player is recruited to a system that, that just doesn't fit that player anymore, as long as he, he or she is in uh, good standing with the university. They should be allowed to make the transfer. I understand that sometimes we people look at it and say, "Hey, well, it's going to be free agency. Um, you know, you're going to be able to uh, go out and load up teams." And people use Alabama and, and Clemson uh, to say, "Okay, they can go start grabbing guys off of some other teams, maybe in the ACC." Well, that's happened already. I mean, that that ship has sailed. Not only that, but I think those programs can only still sign a certain amount of players. There's no endless amount of scholarships that are out there for players. So I think there's still a ton of players, a lot of players to go around. Uh, but I do believe 
that this should be a one-time, the kids should get a one-time transfer. One more question for Howard Griffith. What did you think of Jim Harbaugh's letter, <coughs> excuse me, letter to the football community about being able to uh, go one and done as a football player? You know, that's interesting. And there are some players that have absolutely had that ability. You know what I would love to see that if a young man, or, um, and we're talking about football right now, so if someone weren't drafted in a proper spot or where they thought they would be, that they would have an opportunity to come back. And I know the, the risk to that is, well, the coaches wouldn't be able to manage their rosters. Their rosters would be better. They'd be better with those kids unless they had some sort of issues. But sometimes, some, you know, some young people are getting bad advice. But I'd like to be able to see them come be able to come back to the university and be able to continue to participate because that's what the university is all about. It is about learning. But sometimes, you know, people want to take that leap and they think that they're going to be drafted in a first in the first round and end up don't go to the to the fifth or the sixth. And it's not, I don't think there's anything wrong with them being able to have that opportunity to come back. I, I think one of the things that, that I believe that, uh, has come out of what's going on with the pandemic, and, and I think this goes across all walks of life, people have more time. It doesn't take as much time to be at the office to know that you've been out there working hard. We watched the NFL draft go off. Uh, I thought it was outstanding. They weren't able to do as many things as they could as far as some of the other players, but I think you can make adjustments. But I don't think Coaches have to be in an office, you know, 16 hours a day. As some of them believe that they have to because that's the way they were brought up. I think they can be more effective. I think you're able to spend more time with your family. And I think the whole process, I think we're, we're starting to get an understanding that um, how much time you can spend with your family and still be able to get your work done. Good stuff, Howard. Always good to talk uh, with you. We'll talk some X's and O's one of these days, we hope. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. You guys stay safe and enjoy the weekend. Hey, you thanks, too. Griff. That's Howard Griffith with us from uh, Chicago at 933. We'll take a time out and be back with more Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS after this. It is 936. Welcome back to the show. Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lawrence Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly. We're with you until... 11 o'clock this morning, thanks to Howard Griffith, former Illini running back, now with uh, Big Ten Network, for spending a few minutes with us. Phone line is open, 356-9397, if you'd like to join us. Our next guest, Edgy Tim O'Halloran from the Chicago area. We're going to talk in more detail a little bit about uh, football recruiting, high school football recruiting in the state of Illinois. We touched on that a little bit with Howard Griffith. Tim, how are you this morning? Oh, sure. Make me follow Howard Griffith. No problem. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. And guys, guys, I am not wearing a mask right now, so I am I am definitely rolling the dice with you, but uh, otherwise I'd have the mask on like everyone else. Right? Well, we don't have ours on either, so we're we're all hmm. in, the, in the same boat. And you can look at uh, Howard Griffith as just doing some blocking for you. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that'll work. That works for me. I joke with Howard all the time. I think Howard still wants to wants me to hire him as an intern for me, but I still haven't hired him. So. <laughs> you can uh, follow uh, Edgy Tim at edgytim.rivals.com. You know, i got to ask you this, and I've asked you this before. Is it true that your mother calls you Edgy? 
No, no, <laughs> that 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 was that that that's been rumored for many many years. <laughs> well, how did you get that nickname? Gentleman named Dave Bernhardt, who does the uh, play-by-play for IHSA TV for multiple championships, um, at a call-in show up here in the uh, Joliet area for, for a long time, and I would, was a regular caller. And I guess one day I was a little edgier than usual, <laughs> and he mentioned that. And the next week I called in, and it suddenly went from Tim from Joliet to Edgy Tim, and I think he's been trying to collect royalties ever since. Could you imagine all the nicknames we could come up with for Lauren? <laughs> no, Edgy, yeah, Edgy no, wouldn't no, be one of them. Yeah, it could be endless. There's no question. <laughs> well, Tim, tell us where Illinois football recruiting is. Right, not, not the University of Illinois. Talk about the state, first of all, and the Chicago area where you work and you, and you see the high school players up there. Uh, tell us what has happened to Illinois talent level. Well, actually, actually, this class, Warren, is better than I would say the last three or four classes. Um, you know, I, I think the encouraging thing, and again, I started sounding like a broken record um, over the last four or five years as far as offensive linemen and the overall numbers and depth at the lineman position. It's not too bad in this class, so there's a positive there. Uh, skill kids, again, running back and quarterback, I think is a pretty way above average group. Um, I would say the one group that's a little bit down from where it's been is a defensive line in particular in 2021. Uh, but again, that's kind of a contrast from what we've seen the last handful of years where I thought that was a, more of a position of uh, real strength than anything. It's not the case in this class. But, uh, you know, again, it's, 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 you got to love the world of recruiting because it just gets stranger and, and is never – it, it things are never the same anymore. Time frames are changing constantly. You know, the whole the whole pandemic now has really pushed things even further ahead than ever before. So it's uh, it, it's been interesting, gentlemen. It's been interesting. Well, if uh, Tom Lemming made the comment that the Catholic League was once the number one Catholic league in the country, I don't know if that's accurate. He said that. Uh, he said now there are many, many, many uh, Catholic leagues around the country that are better. Your comment on that? What do you think? Is Tom Lemming right about that? That the Catholic League was once the top tops in in the country? Well, I would say I would say years ago, yes. But I I think as you, you and I have talked about before, the overall talent level has certainly declined here, and and people have tried to speculate why that's happened. Um, again, I think it's a combination of things. I I, I think the fact that you know, kids are focusing less and less on football coming up through the youth levels because of the entire concussion issue. And uh, you have that, that coaches have had to combat for a while now. You have, uh, you have less people here. Let's face it. Um, people continue to leave the state in, in almost shocking numbers. And those numbers have definitely started to be reflected on really at the high school level on several levels. I mean, you look at programs that, you know, would have, a freshman A, a freshman B, a sophomore, a JV, and a varsity. Now a lot of those programs have freshman, sophomore combined in a varsity. So, um, you know, less numbers means less talent means, you know, we're just not seeing the overall depth. So, yeah, years ago I would have said, yeah, for sure. And I think from a still from a program, which ironically, Lauren, for 2020 uh, football season, this is going to be a really good year in the Catholic League. I mean, it's going to be very, very competitive. A lot of teams had younger kids last year. They're going to be seniors this year. But from an overall talent development standpoint, I would agree the fact that uh, 
it's not quite now where, what it was, say, five, seven, ten years ago for sure. Do you see uh, this year uh, a fall off due to the uh, pandemic? I mean, in terms of even if the schools are, are back together, I mean, what's this, will, will as many kids turn out for sports as, as did before? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to have a big impact on the actual turnout. I think kids that are in are, are certainly have been in since, you know, we got to the off season and they were in their weightlifting programs. I think the big concern is, you know, first of all, no one knows when they're going to be able to come back and report and work as a team, how long of a period that's going to be. So certainly I think, especially early on, if, you know, even if, and when we have a season, um, it's going to take a little while to get things going. And, and again, I'm sure they'll side on the, the side of safety and making sure all these teams have a proper amount of time to prepare for it. But Lauren, I would kind of tend to agree that uh, I think the overall quality might be a little bit down because of it for sure. I, I still think, Lauren, I still think that, that as I mentioned, that the entire concussion issue is, is just I think it's played a much larger factor than people realize as far as the youth levels and people coming out. and You know, parents just are not allowing their kids to go out for football like they used to. But, you know, the uh, the last dance has been every Sunday night and been very uh, interesting. And I, I see the uh, the Michael Jordan impact on sports in Chicago is having a, a particularly big impact in the Chicago area and with maybe a lot of more of black players tending to go out for uh, basketball and, and not football. And, and the other thing that's happened is we don't see the two-sport athlete near as frequently now as we used to in any sport. They all just want to uh, seemingly uh, play the one sport that they're, uh, that they're you know, maybe the best in. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, you saw that, you know, as again, you lived through it, I lived through it, that whole era. Um, the impact and draw and the power that Jordan had and uh, definitely reflected in the city. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm fortunate I get to spend a lot of time around the public league and know coaches. And and they will tell you, and Lauren, this has gone on for a while now, that, that you can get 200 kids to try out for freshman basketball, but you literally have to recruit the hallways to maybe get 30, 35 kids to play freshman football in, in the public league. And to me, that kind of that kind of says it all that, you know, that is, that is where kids want to be. They want to be playing that sport. And you still from a football side have to really work hard just to draw enough kids to field the team. And, and that's been going on for a while. So it definitely gets attributed in my mind, going back to that Jordan era. Another couple of minutes with edgy Tim O'Halloran. You mentioned uh, if and when, excuse me, <laughs> Asthma is kicking in this morning on me, <laughs> but, but uh, bear with me. Um, if and when there's a high school season, what's your gut telling you about that? What do you think? Um, I, I'm kind of like everyone else, sitting and watching the, the press conferences and trying to get a feel. I, I found it interesting that the state of Indiana is, is going to allow their athletes to report on July 1st to begin practices. So uh, I guess we can – gain maybe a little glimmer of hope from that but i think one of the most interesting storylines and, and really it's not it's not a shocker uh, this has been going on for as long as i've been covering high school sports but i think what we're seeing is i think we're going to continue to see more of the us versus them mentality meaning chicagoland versus everyone else in the state which i know you guys are shocked by that but uh especially in this case where you see 
the impact of this virus in the Chicagoland area versus, for the most part, the rest of the state. I think people are going to get a little bit louder and louder saying, hey, you know, we're ready to go in central and southern Illinois and western Illinois. How, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the IHSA manages that and, and you know, do you allow everyone to go or do you start think, starting things based off a of location? I have no idea how they're going to handle that. and They're welcome to it because that's an absolute nightmare to deal with. Hey, Tim, thank you very much for your insights. Uh, I think that you hit everything on the button. And uh, like you say, we just I just can't imagine uh, putting this many all these kids back in these schools and in, in groups. And, and if you don't have them in the schools, you're not going to have sports. Yeah. I, and that, that's the trick. I think the trick is not having sports. The trick is getting the students back in school and not having uh, an outbreak and or not having positives that would cause you to close the thing down again. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and, and that's, Warren, that's what's going to happen. That's, you know, really, we can continue to spin our wheels and guess and speculate, but until we have some, hardcore dates and when they're going to allow kids back in. I just don't see sports happening until then. Hey, Tim, thanks for your time. Good to visit with you, and uh, we'll do it again down the road. You bet, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. You too. That's Edgy Tim O'Halloran. You can uh, follow him, edgytim.rivals.com, 947, Illini Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a time out. Have a little open line segment. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397 is the number. We'll be back with more after this. Moving up on 950 and on Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line is open for the next 10 minutes or so, 356-9397. It's actually open all the time, but we do have uh, no guests scheduled until the uh, top of the hour if you'd like to join us. Don't wait till the end of the show like happens sometimes uh, to give us a call. Feel free to jump in. If anything is on your mind, 356-9397. At uh, the top of the show, we were talking about uh, the Kansas situation. We were just kind of kidding around that if if you make a an offer and your offer doesn't get picked, is that a crime? Of course it's a crime. Well, that's solicitation. Yeah, we've been there. But my point is that these, are, these offers that were being made, they didn't have tapings, apparently. They didn't – nobody has been uh, – penalized in any way for offers that were not accepted. Uh, the uh, offer by Maryland, there's, uh, uh, by Under Armour, evidently there's this, nothing has happened there, that, uh, to my knowledge. But um, DeSosa, who was there for two years at least, Steve, uh, his uh, guardian was offered, given $20,000, um, and yet Kansas continued to play him. So I'm not. <laughs> Some of those other guys you mentioned never did play there, did they? Well, Billy Preston, I don't know. Billy, there was a car involved with Billy Preston. That's what got that started that I remember. And uh, his mother was uh, was given, I, when I say given or offered, I don't know how much of the 90000 she actually received or whether she received any of it. But they do have information on that. A lot of it's from the taping that the FBI did with the, the people involved. Uh, but the, the, the thing about Kurt, first of all, we know Bill Self. You know Bill Self, and I know Bill Self. And I'm, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to charge him with anything, but I will tell you that there's nothing that goes on in that operation that he doesn't know. That's Bill Self. He just, you, there's nothing that he wouldn't know. He's, he's on top. Well, of, and that, and that's probably the case with, with most coaches. With most, if not you all, bet, head you coaches. Bet, you bet. 
So, and he was working with Townsend. We know Townsend was illegal. So, and Townsend was his assistant. So, you know, I, I know that, uh, that Bill knew what Adidas was doing. Whether he actually participated, I can't say, but he certainly wasn't going to stop it, <laughs> right? I mean, if, if he wanted to stop Adidas from paying Preston and DeSosa and and Dayton, he would have, you know, he he would he could have done it. All he had to do was say, "Don't, we're not doing this." And some coaches take that position. We are not going to cheat. Period. We know that some coaches do that, and you never see anything happen at those schools. Let's go to the phones. Steve in Princeton is with us. Go ahead, Steve. Yes, one question when you're talking about this uh, Kansas situation. How will it be when they get paid for their likeness? Say, Adam Miller, he won't make as much from Nike at Illinois as D.J. Stewart will probably get at Duke just because of exposure. So can they name the price tag they're going to get for their likeness? Well, they're not, they have, that hasn't been approved yet. What you're asking but me is something that hasn't taken place yet. But it's going to. I think I've heard you in the past. Yeah, I think. I th- yeah, I think it's inevitable, and 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 I I can't answer your question. I think that's I, one of what are probably hundreds of questions about how that's going to work and how yeah, it's going to be managed. First of all, Stewart might be the fifth or sixth best player at Duke, or seventh best, or fourth best. Who knows? He won't be the best probably, and and Adam Miller might be the best here. So. Maybe there'll be a different, uh, you know, uh, maybe he would be able to pick up things here at Illinois that Stewart couldn't get at Duke. I don't know whether all the players at Duke can take advantage of their likeness and for, for uh, you know, for endorsements and that sort of thing. I just don't know. And then the second question is, talking about the football recruiting, has the Lovey, or the Smith Center, has that brought in any football recruits there talking about what a fabulous place it was and all the uh, state-of-the-art equipment and everything. But has that helped them get some recruits? Because you say they're not getting any. Well, they say it helps. Okay, that's what they say. Uh, I think it does help, but they're not getting any. So there have been 143 players recruited by the Big Ten for the 2021 class. That's the upcoming seniors, many of whom have already committed as upcoming seniors. Ohio State has 18. Iowa has 15. Minnesota has 15. Illinois has two. Two. They're the last in the Big Ten. Two out of 143 players that have been recruited are going to have committed to Illinois. Have, what can I say? I mean, the previous year they offered 19 players from the state of Illinois and got none. But they did have, a, they did have a, you know, a, a players from other states, but they got none from the state of Illinois that, on the players who report this fall. So then I guess we've got a bigger problem just – than just facilities. There's another reason they're not coming. Well, yeah, you got a you got a big problem because when you when you don't win games, players don't you know tend to want to go there. I mean that's the problem. In, Regardless in the, of the facilities. Yeah, I, I, I mean they they swear up and down that the facility helps, and I think it has it can't hurt. I mean it's bound to help. I think it helps, but. All the big boys have the same kind of thing. Well, that's you know, right. Uh, All we're doing is catching up. Catching up and maybe temporarily moving ahead with some of the new ones. But uh, now it'll be interesting in today's climate financially 
how many new projects get started uh, that may have been on the books before. But sure, it helps. It is a very impressive uh, building, but uh, in, in the big picture, it's hard to determine right now. Here's what worries me, really bothers me. In the class of 220, that's the guys who come to class in August, September, Northwestern had landed five of the top 25. Iowa landed five of the top 25. Michigan took A.J. Henning, whose grandfather is Quinn Richardson. Uh, by the way, he's from Lincoln Way West. Quinn Richardson was a star of the 1984 Illinois basketball team. Illinois, you know, just didn't get a single player out of the state of Illinois in 2020, and I can't say it any differently. I can't paint it any differently. That's what they got, zero. And, 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 and all those other kids went, all those kids went other places. Well, thanks for the info, and it's always good to listen to your show. Yep. Good to hear from you, Steve. Thanks for the call. About uh, three minutes before 10, let's go to St. Louis, where Brian is calling in. Hey, Brian. As long as Bruce Pearl is still coaching in the NCAA, it's evidence that the NCAA is not going to do anything to anybody. Bill Self has nothing to worry about. This is all a bunch of flexing, for lack of a better term. They're not going to do anything to him. He might get a minor slap on the wrist, but if guys like Sean Payton, or I'm sorry, I'm messing something up, um, the Arizona coach. Sean Miller. Pearl, as long, yeah. yeah, Sean Miller, I'm sorry. As long as they're still around, and Arizona's a blue blood, and Kansas is a blue blood, and Auburn is in the SEC, I guess, you know, he's not really a blue blood, but nothing's going to happen. And there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, we had some pretty high-character coaches at Illinois and Bruce Weber and John Gross. Had they elected to cheat, I don't know all the behind-the-scenes stuff, obviously, I'm just a fan. Had they elected to cheat, they would likely still be employed. Well, it pays to cheat. There's no doubt about that. If you look back, I mean, it, it, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, you go all the way back to John Wooden, who you know was revered in his in his day, and then the, after he retired, they found out that uh, Gilbert uh, had been helping him for all those years. And university Sam, presidents and like university presidents aren't doing anything to the likes of the Bruce Pearls and the Bill Selves and Sean Millers because of what their value is. Well, all I can tell you is the NCA has made very strong charges against Kansas. It may take a year or two to, for this all to play out. Uh, they've been uh, charged with egregious and severe violations, and self is, is certainly vulnerable. And I think there will be some strong penalties against uh, Kansas. I disagree with you. But uh, I think they have information now that will allow them to do that. I think the North Carolina thing kind of throws us all off because of the fact that they were able to determine that the classes that they took were, uh, you know, permitted all students to come in. I say all students. Uh, those that learned about it and, and wanted to cheat were uh, got into it. But I, I, I don't agree with you. I think Kansas is going to get hit. I just don't know how long it's I going to take. I hope, I, I hope that you are right. I, I want to see that happen. I, I hope that you are right. A lot of people agree with you, I'll tell you that. A lot of people don't think the, the, the top schools can be hit, but they've already, they're, they're after Louisville hard, and they're after, yeah. and, you know, and, and they're after Kansas hard, and they're, they're after Auburn, there's no question. Have a good day. Yep. yep. Thanks, Brian, for the call down in St. Louis as we hit the 10 o'clock hour, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Hour number one is in the books. We'll take a time out here. And we'll talk some Illinois basketball with assistant coach Stephen Gentry when we come back on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us.
It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody, on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Sunshine, 43 degrees outside as we move into hour number two of the show with you until 11 o'clock today. Thanks uh, to our first hour guests, Howard Griffith, former Illini running back, and Edgy Tim O'Halloran. Had some football conversation. We're going to turn our attention now to basketball. Stephen Gentry heading into his second season on Brad Underwood's Illinois basketball coaching staff is on the line with us. Stephen, good morning. How are you? Morning, guys. Hey, thanks for having me on. So you've been keeping busy in an unusual way, as everybody else has in uh, the past uh, six weeks or so. Uh, tell me about the current state of contacting prospective players. Is this a, a dead period, or has any of that changed? How are we looking at uh, the current situation right now? Yeah, no, we're still able to, uh, you know, make make phone calls and, and text to, um, you know, 2021 recruits um you know kids are going into their senior year um we're obviously still trying to fill out our roster um for the upcoming season mainly through the the transfer portal um so we've been actively on that and doing zoom calls with uh prospective athletes and uh and their families and um but not till june 15th can we contact the the 2022 class um but we're starting to kind of lay the groundwork for that in terms of formulating lists and and getting prepared for that. But, um, yeah, I know we're just able to, uh, you know, do Zoom calls, make phone calls and texts, and then, you know, obviously we cannot leave campus um, and they cannot c- come on campus either. And I think that's been extended now to June 30th. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what sort of evaluation periods we have, you know, later this summer. Obviously, you know, July is usually the, the big evaluation period, so it's to be determined whether we get that or not. One of the uh, 2021 guys, and you can't speak about him yet, even though I can say that you were involved heavily with his recruitment, is Luke Goody from uh, the state of Indiana. He is verbally committed but not signed yet. But otherwise, how, how's the reception going? How's recruiting going, do you feel? Yeah, you know, I think it's doing great. And I think that's where you know, our staff, Orlando and Chen, uh, myself, you know, I think we've done a really good job of, you know, we're in a really good place even with this pandemic going on, we had a lot of high, high level 2021 and even 2022 kids on campus all year. And especially our high, high target guys, you know, we had them to at least a game. Um, And there were some of those guys even made multiple games or multiple visits to campus. So, um, and that's where I think Orlando's the best. I mean, he's thinking recruiting all the time and um, you know, so again, I think we're in a great place just because we've had so many of those kids on campus. We've seen them so many times. We've had so many contacts. So whereas maybe some other schools that didn't lay that groundwork, hey, they're now in a position where they can't necessarily do that. We're in a, we're in a great, great spot with that. Do you try to re-recruit guys like Io and Kofi, or do you just kind of let that play out? Well, I mean, I think you got to let it play out. I mean, we we want all of our players to perform at the highest level of their craft. 
whether that's professional basketball or in the business world or, you know, whatever their passion may be. And, you know, and I've, both Kofi and I have dreams of playing in the NBA, and, and those those are the dreams that we want our players to have. And, um, no, I think we're just there to be more supportive. Um, they know how we feel about them. Um, so it's there to be more supportive, um, help them get any information they they may need, um, help facilitate those conversations. But, uh, yeah, no, it's more of a – I guess a supportive role than a, you know, trying to knock down their door and, and right. re-recruit them. So they know how, they know how we feel about them. Uh, this is Lauren, uh, that June three date, do you see that, uh, for IO and Kofi, that's the date supposedly that they have to be able to pull out if they're not going to stay in the draft. Uh, do you see that June three date moving? There's a lot of talk about it. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, there's obviously no playbook for what's, going on and you know i have regular conversations with with gms and assistant gms to kind of get a a grasp for that landscape i have not heard uh, and, and obviously that's the ncaa's um, date not the nba's but i have not heard anything of that being pushed back um my initial thinking was that it would maybe get pushed back indefinitely just because we don't know when obviously the nba season and then the draft lottery and then the draft will be but um, I have not heard anything along those lines of, of pushing that back. What would be wrong with letting everybody be drafted and then those who want to come back, come back? In other words, uh, you know what I'm saying? Just let let, let it yeah. be like when you're a high school player in baseball, you can be drafted, and if you want to go on to college, you can go on? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a great thought. I mean, that the timing of that, um, this year could be really, really unique. I mean, because we're looking at possibly the draft. The draft could be in September. Oh. Um, you know, and uh, you know, by then, <laughs> um, if a player decided to return, you know, there may be some some scholarship complications and and this and that. But um, I think overall, in a normal year when we have our normal draft calendar, I mean, I think that's a that's a great idea. Well. Um... It would seem to me that it would it'd be, it'd, the only persons that it would be tough on would be the coaches, would be the college coaches, because you, you wouldn't learn as early. But they could hold the draft, I would think, in July, couldn't they? I mean, would, would that make sense to have a, have the draft in July and just let everybody that, – that way you don't have to pledge or you don't have to get in and get out and, ha- and worry about the dates. You just let it happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, again, with the normal timing, um, yeah, I think that would definitely work. And, and you know, and I said the one complication would be, you know, whether or not that team has a scholarship or not. But, you know, mm-hmm. usually, like, even going into the fall, most teams still have one open scholarship. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's I think it's best for, you know, the student-athlete instead of, you know, leaving them out there on, you know, to have to then make a tough decision and maybe go to G League or go overseas or, you know, whatever, that they would always have that option you know, to return and, and make it work. But, um, and that's where I think, you know, the NBA um, and the NCAA probably do need to have more conversations working together um, to make things like that, like that happen. And I think right now there's almost this mindset of competing um, over the product, which is the players. And there probably needs to be a little more collaboration in terms of working out and making situations, you know, like that work together. Let's talk about the transfer portal real quick. Over 800 names are, are in that portal. About 150 or 160 are graduates who would be automatically eligible. Uh, 
talk about the changes in, in staff work. You were at Gonzaga before. Uh, I mean, how did you uh, begin to alter your work in the office when this portal became a factor? Right. So, you know, it's, it's mainly, you know, in the old days you had to, you know, you would hear about a kid um, transferring. Um, they would release it. Uh, that they were transferring, and then you'd have to contact the individual school where they were at, you know, to get their release. And you know, a lot of times, you know, then that player would also have to go to his compliance department, his head coach, to get a release. And so it's kind of taken the old school, um, the old institution, out of the out of the equation um, to kind of eliminate those awkward conversations, to eliminate. Um, a school maybe holding up a release or being slow to release um, a young man from their from their scholarship, and so you know now the kids all they have to do is go to the compliance department and say, hey, I want to be I want to be entered into the transfer portal, and then so that's obviously a website that we're you know I mean we're checking it pretty much every minute you know just to be uh, sure we're not missing anything, and yeah, once you see a kid's name in the transfer portal, then um, you can reach out via email. Um, they don't list the kids cell phone typically it's just their email address and so then you email the kid asking for a cell phone and and you might have a previous contact with a high school coach or AU coach and you can begin to reach out to them once you see um, their name in the portal but um, uh, you know it's I hate to see that many names in there Um, you know because it's just you know I love to see kids you know stick it out fight through adversity and uh, make it work at their um, you know at their school but to me, the transfer portal logistically is 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 really progress, um, and I think it was a smart move by the NCAA in terms of setting that up just for, you know, workflow and um, convenience standpoint. You know, there's 26 players out of the Big Ten in that portal, including a couple of Illini. Uh, King uh, went from Wisconsin to Nebraska. Harms went from Purdue to BYU. Carton from Ohio yeah, State to Mar. These are top players. I mean. Pimsel, Griffin, uh, Muhammad from Ohio State. This, this, this is not uh, minor stuff. I mean, these are these are guys that can make a big impact on their teams when they get there, aren't they? It really is, and that's why we've kept such a strong eye on the portal. Is you know, these are like you said, these are impact players. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of these guys have high, high level experience. They have multiple years um, of experience, and I think that's a you know. What we're trying to kind of fight a lot as uh, coaching staff is is staying old, right? And so if you can plug in um, a transfer, especially a a grad one who can play right away and it gives you that experience and that immediate productivity, um, you know, that's certainly a plus. But, you know, I'm I'm really big on transfers that are sitting out. Um, You know, we had two of them this past year and gives you a a great year of working on the court with myself, working in the weight room with with Coach Fletcher and um, so... So, yeah, hey, if you try to really need to fill a, a big hole, you can definitely go the grad transfer route. But we, we really prefer to go that sit-out route just to get those young men in our program and really develop them, get them around our system and practice. And, and then, you know, after that year, they can really, really hit the ground running. Talking basketball with Stephen Gentry, Illini assistant coach. Talk about the guys coming in that you know will be here, Adam Miller, Andre Corbello, and Coleman Hawkins what uh, those guys bring to the program that uh, has some returning key guys as well. 
Yeah, no, I remember it was my first uh, week on the job, and I flew out to uh, New York with Orlando and Coach Underwood to watch uh, Curbelo, and, you know, we watched him practice and play in an open gym, and I was just mesmerized by him. I mean, I was literally on the sideline, like, laughing um, at just some of the passes and reads that uh, that he made. And, um, you know, I was fortunate when I was at Gonzaga to be around and, and work with John Stockton and kind of pick his brain. And, and, and this is lofty comparisons, but in terms of just his feel for the game, I mean, Andre's got that John Stockton-like feel. I mean, he just makes unbelievable uh, passes and reads and just really, really, you know, runs the team. I and mean, he's a true run-the-team point guard and also just has this incredible swagger and leadership um, about him, which I don't, I don't think you can teach these days. So uh, he's just an incredible floor general and um, couldn't be more excited about him coming on board. And then Adam I saw a couple times um, in person, um, and then also saw, you know, just film of him on the AU circuit. And, um, just an explosive player, can really, really shoot it. Um, and he's got deep, deep range. I think that was probably the biggest thing that surprised me, just watching him as not only can he shoot it, but he's got just fantastic range um, on his shot. He's a competitor, um, a tough kid. And, I mean, again, when I got here the first week and, you know, it was, it was September and, you know, there were a lot of names that were being discussed and flown around and we had our, you know, our board up and everything. And I kind of just cut to the chase. I was like, coach, of all these kids, I mean, who do you really want in your backcourt? I mean, who, who do we really want? And he's like, hey, I want Andre Curbelo and Adam Miller. And so I think to end up getting those guys, the two guys you really wanted in your backcourt, I mean, that's that's a pretty pretty special thing that we've got um, going on there. And then Coleman, I actually saw um, quite a bit. I was out on the road on the circuit um, to wrap up the recruiting period when I was at Gonzaga. And we had a commit, Dominic Harris, that played on Dream Vision with Coleman Hawkins. And so – um, I saw those guys play probably six, seven, eight times, um, you know, that, that spring, early summer. Um, and so just his skill level for his size, he can really, really pass it. Um, got a great feel uh, for the game. He's really mobile, um, can step out and shoot it. And so this is where he's maybe a little bit different from, you know, the bigs we had on our team um last year of being a little bit more inside out with both you know his passing and his shooting and being more being more mobile so i mean we couldn't be more excited uh, about the guys that we have coming in just on their own grounds but also i think more importantly just how they fit in with our returning players and we just love the mix of players we have coming back and how they all work together and complement each other you're a Gonzaga graduate. As you mentioned, you coached there under Mark Few as well. Former Illini standout Roger Powell is on the staff now at Gonzaga. Have you gotten a chance to, to know Roger at all? Um, just a little bit. You know, you know, when he was hired there, I was still on staff, but it was just kind of a weird, you know, he had a had a baby this summer and he was wrapping up things in, in Nashville once he got let go at Vanderbilt and so we got to interact a, a, a little bit, um, not as long as I would have liked, but um, then I've even seen him out on the, the road recruiting a couple times, and it's like, holy cow, isn't this weird? We're both at each other's alma maters and kind of swap places. And, um, yeah, Roger's, Roger's a great guy, and um, I know they were really excited to add him to the staff there. 
And what kind of coach um, is Mark Few to uh, to coach under to be an assistant like you uh, were and Roger Powell is currently? Yeah, I mean, I think Coach Few is you know a very good teacher um, of the game. Um, he's very consistent in his um, approach to running the program of really basing um, that Gonzaga program program on a family atmosphere and and player development. And I think those are kind of the two bedrocks um, of that program, and they haven't really wavered from it. Um, and I think that's just I think the most amazing thing that he's done there is just I mean the consistency. Um, of that run, I mean, yes, some years they're better than others, but I mean, to be in 22 straight NCAA tournaments, um, that's pretty darn incredible. But I mean, I even learned so much of him when, when I was a player, you know, I always knew I wanted to coach and you know, I wasn't playing that much. I was just a walk on at Gonzaga. So I always made a point at practice and at games to try to kind of see the game through, you know, his lens and how he prepares and how he runs a practice. Um, and obviously all the adjustments he makes in the game. But he's also got a really good staff. Um, you know, I think that was um, another great thing is just the consistency of that staff out there um, over the years. Yes, some have left to be head, head coaches other places. But, um, yeah, no, it's just um, the way they run things is just very consistent and very solid. How did they get so involved with um, international players? What was their s- secret in making that big step? Because they they always seem to have – uh, some additions there that are critical. Yeah, no, that's that's one particular assistant coach, uh, Tommy Lloyd, who's one of my best friends and mentors in the business. He was kind of the one that broke down those walls, so to speak, and established all those relationships. And um, actually, the first one, um, the first kind of international recruit, ended up being my future roommate, and that was Roni Turioff, um, who played three years at excuse me, four years at Gonzaga and then, you know, played in the NBA with Miami Heat and Lakers. Um, I think once you get, uh, you know, one or two of those guys, it kind of just steamrolls. It becomes a blueprint um, of, wow, okay, you've taken an international big from France or from, you know, wherever, then the next French kid sees that or the next Serbian or Lithuanian kid sees that. And I think it just – They've just done an unbelievable job of just stacking those players on top of each other and continuing that blueprint. But I also think, too, their style of play is a very, you know, Euro, um, international style of play. And so I think if you're an overseas kid and you see, how, wow, gosh, I can be the next in line of, um, you know, a, a great international player who's had success and they play the style that I'm kind of already comfortable with, then you know, that's a pretty good mix right there. And and we've had our own success here too. I mean, I think we're kind of trending that direction too of, um, you know, forming those relationships, having success with, with international players like Georgie. Um, those kids see that. And, and also, hey, our style of play is getting more, a little more Euro-based. And I've actually, that's probably the biggest thing I've been watching here during this, uh, you know, quarantine is just EuroLeague basketball. Um, you know, just how they space the floor and how many ball screens they run and, um, how they move the pieces, and so we're we're kind of trending towards that direction as well. Stephen Gentry, appreciate your time. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Stephen Gentry, Illini assistant basketball coach, with us here at ten twenty-two. We'll take a break. Got an open line segment coming up. If you'd like to join us, three five six nine three nine seven. Back with more in just a moment. 
1025, Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk, open line 356-9397 for the next few minutes. Coming up at uh, 1030, we're going to visit with Jeremy Wu from Sports Illustrated, talk a little bit about uh, the NBA draft and uh, Io and Kofi and when the draft might happen, those kind of things. You know, the folks at uh, the Pella Window Store, Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive, have a line called uh, Lifestyle Series, wood windows and patio doors. And uh, those particular products offer outstanding sound control and energy efficiency, all at an outstanding value. Most styles are available with triple-pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. The Appella Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency. Plus, you can personalize solutions for each room in your home with available product packages. The Appella Lifestyle Series, you can choose features that fit your project's unique style. And with uh, many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, you'll find uh, the Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors a complement to your home and budget. So when you start thinking about those kind of things for your home again, after we get back to whatever the new normal is going to be, give them a call at uh, the Pella Window Store, 356-6474. If you have a question now, you can call that number and somebody will respond to you. Or check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. Let's go to the phones and welcome Mark to the program, calling from Florida. Hey, Mark. Hi, good morning. Uh, I'm going to touch on the uh, issue where you were talking about both in football and basketball, guys entering the draft and then coming back to school. If either they're not drafted at a level they you know, can go or uh, just don't like where they're drafted, they come back. Well, I think you're going to add to the transfers. Because if I'm a guy coming in next and all of a sudden uh, – not so much in Iowa's case because they're all going to play anyway. But let's just use him as an example. Comes back to school. Now I'm the high school kid that you've recruited to come in and start in that spot. Now my minutes go down. I don't think it's going to affect any of these kids at Illinois. I'm just using that as an example. Uh, or I'm a redshirt sophomore in football. The junior enters the draft, doesn't get drafted, comes back, I think I'm going to start. Guess what? Now I'm going to transfer. Well, there's always a possibility oh. that you won't start. There's always a possibility oh. that we're going to bring in somebody over you. That happens all the time. That's normal. That's well, that's correct. But you're going to add to it with the guys coming back from the draft. Their recruiting never stops. We all know that. But now you think the guy's gone that you're being recruited to play for, especially in basketball, and all of a sudden that guy turns around and comes back. Well, or you've already I, seen, I've, I just mentioned, we've already seen this year a hundred and nearly 150 players have been recruited in football right now, and, and this is for the class of 2021. In other words, these guys, they don't have any idea who's going to come in there besides themselves. There's nobody, there's no prom. first of all, nobody gets promised to start, to start. and there'll be people uh, among the pl- players that have already been uh have already committed, pledged to come to school, there'll be all kinds of, uh, of additional players, transfers, uh, and high school players and junior college players that will be coming in and, and could beat them out. That's just the risk of the game. Well, I understand that. But you're adding to 
the risk by having those guys back. Let's say that a kid uh, reclassifies. You got a, one of the bigs that Illinois recruiting reclassifies in 2020 because he sees Kofi's in the draft. Now all of a sudden Kofi comes back. That kid's going to definitely not want to be here. Well, maybe you're right. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's anything to worry about. No, I'm not either. I'm just saying it's going to add to the transfer total. I don't, I don't think it's really going to affect Illinois much. Right well, with well, are 800 in the transfer, but, if they, if, if it's going to add to it, then it's going to add to it. But when they, dec- when they decline, when they announce a year from now that players can transfer and be uh, eligible immediately, it will go way over a thousand. Way over. I don't over. know that that's going to. Oh, I it's definitely going to happen. Uh, it's definitely going to happen. Think, I, mean, I can tell you, it's definitely going to happen. happen. You're wrong if you don't think it's going to happen. You're not following it. I might be. I might be. I'm following it pretty darn close. But uh, Well, then you'd know it's going to happen. They stated it's going to happen. I I think a lot of the coaches are going to be against it. They are against it. That's why they've they've delayed it a year. Well, that's that's my point. The coaches aren't making the decision. The decision is made by the, the council. Are any coaches on that council? Hey, Mark, appreciate the call. Thanks for okay, taking time well, to do you. that. Let's uh, go from Florida to North Carolina. Marty, good morning. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. How you guys doing? We're fine. How are you? I'm. I I apologize. I missed the first half hour. Did I miss anything important? <laughs> of course, it's all important. But what? Uh, well, I I, what's on your mind? Well, one of my buddies from high school and I were born on the same day, and today's our birthday. We're both 64, so he called me, and I got, I'm a little long-winded. I know you find that hard to believe. Yeah, and uh, I will warn you that I'm kind of up against the clock. we got another guest scheduled here. I know. Uh, I, I did catch one thing. Callers coming in, football and basketball recruiting are two different things. In football, you got to pack classes back-to-back so you can redshirt linemen especially. In yep. basketball, all you need all you need in basketball is one or two guys to change the attitude for the whole program, like an Iowa Sumo, to start attracting other people and opening up a territory, so to speak, like Chicago. In football, if you don't get two or three classes back to back and you're not winning, it ain't like the old days when I was a kid, where you if the state school wanted you, you loved to go there. It's not that way anymore. Now it's about winning. It's about getting my name out there and et cetera. So I'll let you go because I know you're in there. And remind him, Lauren, all the time you got to get back-to-back classes in football, or you're never absolutely, gonna absolutely. You, you can't have <laughs> openings like like Illinois has. There's no question. Yeah. But th- and, we are in a different era b- because of the yeah. transfers, and the 13 yeah. transfers do make a difference. But yeah, the, the keep reminding them we need linemen, Lauren, especially defensive linemen. Keep reminding. I don't. I don't even pay attention to anything other than defensive <laughs> linemen. Until we get defensive line, we aren't going to be any good. Exactly. Thanks, Marty. Happy birthday. All right. All right. Bye-bye. 10.32. We'll take a break. We'll talk about the NBA draft coming up. Stay with us here on DWS. 10.35. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate. We're with you until 11 o'clock. Been a busy morning. Uh, going to talk about the NBA draft in a moment, but first, Chuck has been hanging on during that break in Camargo. Go ahead, Chuck. You're on the air. Good morning, guys. Thanks for getting me in real quick. Uh, First off, I agree with Mark. I think uh, it'll never happen. And, Lauren, 
I think you're kind of a bully sometimes. You don't let no one talk, and it's very rude. <laughs> okay. I'm letting you talk. How's that? Well, it's, it's not very professional, Lauren. Well, I, I guess that's right. I'm just an old, old codger, but I will tell you that the agreement— Were you bullied in school? Oh, I must have been. <laughs> you're just a big old bully. <laughs> Well, I'm telling you, when when somebody's saying something that's obviously wrong, I got to I got to make it right. The the working well, you, don't even, you don't even give them time to talk, Lauren. You just cut them off. Well, you just cut him off. So <laughs> <laughs> you guys are both bullies. Hey, Chuck, we appreciate the call. Need to move along and uh, say good morning to uh, Jeremy Wu. First time on uh, this particular program for Jeremy. He's with Sports Illustrated. Good morning, Jeremy. How are you? Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing well. I want to talk about the NBA draft, which is kind of your specialty. And, of course, with a couple of guys that we have uh, quite an interest in in that draft, uh, at least at the moment, Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn, what kind of intel are you hearing from your sources on those two guys as far as them being drafted? Yeah, you know, they're both kind of in interesting places. Uh, I, I mean, with, with Io you know, I, I think it's possible you know, he gets picked in the second round. I don't know if it's for sure that he gets drafted. Um, you know, you, you get varying opinions. I know there are people who, who like him, um, but, uh, you know, sort of in the second round mix there, uh, a little bit hard to know right now just because of the way that the pre-draft process, you know, so much of it is taking place uh, behind closed doors. And then, you know, w- with Kofi, you know, obviously he's the type of player who 10 years ago in the NBA would have been, you know, 10, 20 years ago would have been, uh, you know, a lot more interesting just, you know, because of his size and, uh, you know, the way he can kind of, you know, play physically on the inside. But, you know, you know with the way that the man's sort of changed for centers, uh, you know, he's kind of in a tough place too, uh, to where, you know, I don't know if he would get drafted. Uh, so, you know, I, I, he, he's in a position where he'd probably benefit from coming back more so than, than I.O., but, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're both kind of in that gray area right now. Do you have any idea when this draft might actually happen? I, if I had to guess, I, I would guess like August or September is sort of what uh, you know the the vibe seems to be. I mean, the the, the feeling I've had on this has been uh, you know they can't really change the order of operations too much. So as long as the NBA is waiting to you know schedule uh, or at least holding out for the possibility of there being a playoffs, uh, you know they won't officially postpone or reschedule anything. Uh, you know, th- th- that part of the calendar won't be set until you know after we know when the games are going to be or if they're going to be games. So um, I-, I would guess August and September uh, are around. You know, in-, in that span is when it'll happen because I-, I think the NBA plans, regardless, to start up in December next season is, is sort of the feeling. So uh, the order of those things sort of lines up. Jeremy, this is Lauren. Do you expect that they're um that the NBA will go right directly into playoffs as a, no, no more regular season games and go based on the, on the uh, playoff standings as they are now? I, I really don't know. Um, and, and I think the, the messaging has been, you know, based on what was reported from, you know, I had Silver's call to players yesterday and then, you know, the feeling I read from people around the NBA, uh, you know, people, people will say, I don't know. You know, it's, it's not like people are withholding answers from you. It's just they're, you know, the, the impact of the virus, no one is really sure what's going to happen. So I think there's definitely scenarios where they could just jump straight to the playoffs. That, that could be beneficial. Um, but I think that until 
I, I think basically they'll wait as long as they can to make a decision, uh, which could be another month. And, uh, you know, if, if they feel like they can squeeze games in, you know, the, the bottom line here is, you know, they need the TV revenue uh, to sort of at least make up for some of what was lost. And so if they can find a way to do it, I think they'll do it. And uh, if they have a long enough runway to say, well, you know, we'll sort of roll through the rest of the regular season and then go to the playoffs, uh, I think they'll do it. But uh, I don't have the answer. Uh, well, Silver, sure. Silver sounded yesterday like uh, he's thinking maybe of playing playoff games in Orlando and Vegas. Maybe that's just two possibilities. I know there are many options, but – he seems to be uh, thinking in that, uh, leaning in that direction, didn't you think? Yeah, um, but again, I mean, it, it totally depends on. I, th- I think the availability of testing is, is the is the key, uh, as far as you know. How can they establish these protocols uh, in a way that uh, you know allows everyone to play and uh, you know does it in a safe way and you know allows everyone to sort of gather and sort of be okay with sort of being in one place. Uh, so I do think that those localized sites is one thing that could work potentially, uh, but there's just no way of knowing exactly, you know, how that's going to unfold. Uh, back to the, uh, back to the NBA draft, how many college players have declared at this point and how many would you expect to withdraw after making their declaration? How many, how many declared now? Um, I think between college and, and College and international together, it's about 200. I think college, I don't remember the exact number, um, but like so, more than more than 100, right? I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head. Yeah, but, somewhere in uh, 150, you think? Yeah. Probably, yeah, yeah I, I mean, a lot of these guys are going to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, Half of them, maybe? Probably more, I guess, mm-hmm. but it, it depends. And, and I mean... Uh, as far as freshmen, I would guess there's probably 15 or 16 freshmen who end up in the draft. Um, and, you know, that's who we're really talking about. Like, a lot of the time, uh, you know, the, the guys who are, you know, higher higher drafted priority underclassmen are freshmen. So, uh, but, you know, I mean, that's been the trend in the past few years. And I do think that, um, you know, with, with nobody being able to go work out uh, at, the, at the moment and everything is interviews, you know, I, I do think that my guess is, if I had to guess, that there will be more people going back just because, you know, you get the feedback, you know what you got to work on. But if you're if you're not going to get picked now, it's like I think there's a, another layer of uncertainty, and it, you know, puts a lot of emphasis on good agent thing. You know, getting players to good situations, and I think there's going to be a lot of guys who might be better off just going back. Visiting with Jeremy Wu from Sports Illustrated. You have you been watching uh, the Last Dance uh, Jordan documentary? Oh yeah, you know I, I grew up in Chicago. I don't know if you guys knew that, uh, but uh, I'm from Chicago, so of course. <laughs> What do you think of it so far? Uh, it's been entertaining. I mean, you know, I, I think I'm not, you know, I'm not coming into this looking at it as like, you know, hard, hard journalism. It's, right. it's, it's entertaining and it's it's fun to, you know, relive some of that stuff. And, you know, I was pretty young when this was happening, so I don't, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting to, you know, see it all and hear Jordan talk about it. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm loving it. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to have, you know, a substitute for live sports. At least everyone's watching it at once, right? So is the NBA draft your main beat or uh, the NBA itself uh, for Sports Illustrated? Yeah, yeah, well, the NBA draft is really what I do now. Um, but, you know, I've done a lot of different things. Uh, you know, I've been there for six years or so. Uh, so, uh, but, but the draft has sort of become sort of the thing that I do. 
Well, good stuff. We appreciate your time. Maybe we'll check in with you again uh, when we find out when that draft's going to be and see if uh, Io and Kofi are still in and uh, what you think about it then. But thanks for taking time with us this morning. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. You guys have a good one. You bet. Jeremy Wu from Sports Illustrated, 1043. We'll take a break. When we come back for the uh, last 15 minutes or so, we've got the uh, line open again. Anybody else wants to call in and call Lauren a bully, that's your opportunity <laughs> to do so. <laughs> we'll be back with more <laughs> in just a moment. Edgy Tim and... <laughs> I choked myself. Right. 10.47, Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk, heading towards 11 o'clock, open line the rest of the way. Back to the phones we go. Alan is with us. Good morning, Alan. Morning, guys. Well, Steve, if you keep sneezing like that, everybody's going to swear up down you got it. Well, I'm not sneezing. I'm just uh, coughing and choking and uh, otherwise being uncomfortable. No, my situation, unfortunately, is asthma. So uh, sometimes that kicks in. Normally, I'm able to keep that from getting on the air, but uh, not so successful this time. But what's on your mind, Alan? Is uh, Burdank still with the team? We know. Yes. Okay. I haven't heard much about him here lately, so uh, I think he could be a dark horse major helper. That's what he is. He's a dark horse. Nobody knows. Even the coaches don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't get a chance to practice much. He was he was hurt where they got to see the two uh, guys that were sitting out. They stayed healthy, and they got to see them. So they've got a lot of good intelligence on those guys. Well, that's all I got for today. We're uh, wasting another good day of uh, what could have been, you know, baseball softball. You're right. Thanks, Alan, for the call. We appreciate it. Let's go to Bob in Urbana. Hey, Bob. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, a question I have about uh, both of our guys that are still in the NBA draft and then uh, the members that are coming in on this, the new team, the new Illinois team that will be coming this fall. They always talk about the alpha male in basketball and where you have uh, one player says, well, I don't want to come there because he, there's another guy that's going to supersede me and I want to be the star on my own team. Um, how does that play into what we're looking at now where Io might come back and uh, Miller might have to say, okay, I want to play with this guy uh, at least until he goes back to the NBA or, or whatever. How does that come into the playing of, of in kids' minds that, well, I don't want to follow this guy because he was uh, – there was a player that was on the same team with uh, uh, Aaron Miller, and I I heard that, that he maybe didn't want to play with him. Well, now, wait a uh, minute. Wait come? a minute. I, we've never heard Miller in any way indicate he doesn't want to play with Iowa. In fact, he said just the opposite. And he has played with him in the past. He played with him in AAU. He played with him in high school. And the other thing that you're overlooking completely – is the fact that Hutcherson may be better than either one of them. Well, that's, that's true, too. I mean, I'm not saying he is. I'm just, I mean, there are people that think that Miller's going to have a hard time beating out Hutcherson or maybe have a hard time beating out Fraser. I mean, they kind of play the same position. They are wings. Right, right, right. Well, it, as, as we go back to the, the 89 team and the 05 team, we had some really good players on those teams, and they were all kind of dominant in their own way where Darren Williams was maybe the, the alpha male is what you would call it, 
But D. Brown was the most valuable player in his own way. And just in this most recent team, uh, Andres Felice was right up there as a really great player for the Illinois team and was just almost as valuable as, as uh, Io was. <clears throat> so I just bring that up that kids can play together with each other when they want to be there for the common goal of helping the team win. So, all right, thanks for taking my call. Yep, thanks, Bob. We appreciate it's, it. It's always a crapshoot, Steve. I mean, well, Duke you, doesn't seem to have any problem with with stacking guys that. Uh, that's right. Uh, that are all five star guys. We've got a lot of five star guys that that are reserves. Right. <laughs> and some of those may or may not be in the transfer portal. I haven't looked at that so much, but uh, the transfer portal over eight hundred now, and uh, you know Illinois is looking at a couple of guys. There's a. A guy moving out of Wake Forest that uh, Illinois is yeah, interested yeah, in. Uh, yeah, Brown. Brown. <clears throat> and, uh, they He's think, down to four, isn't he? Down to four schools. I did see that uh, Jordan Nesbitt out of the St. Louis area trimmed his list. He, he's not a transfer guy. He's a high school guy. Mm-hmm. Trimmed his list to 14. <laughs> <laughs> well, that means he's really trimming it down, isn't he? And Illinois was on that. Mm-hmm. But so was a lot of other folks. You've got another four or five minutes if you want to jump in, 356-9397. Speaking of Adam Miller and Andre Carello, they have risen in the latest rankings by uh, 247 Sports. Our friends uh, Jeremy Warner and uh, Derek Piper involved in that, but uh, they're now two of the top four incoming recruits in the Big Ten. Adam Miller being number one and Cabello number four. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the Big Ten is having an atrocious recruiting year in, in high school, for high school. They really are. I mean, they got nobody among the top 25 players coming in this year. That's really bad. I think um, – But, I mean, it doesn't mean it won't be good, but I'm just saying that we're just talking strictly about this recruiting class. It's a, it's a really weak recruiting class for the Big Ten. I think Miller is – in the low 30s there. and uh, Yeah, he's moved up. He's moved all the way, depending on which one you look sure. at. He's all the way up to 27-1, and one, I think, or 32-1. and one and, and, yeah, but he's, he's just outside. But can you imagine the conference is good? The Big Ten was the best conference in America. We all argued that this past year in basketball. And here we are. You'd think they could capitalize on that success, but the fact is they are – they are. They don't have a single player among the top 25. Illinois now the number two recruiting class in the Big Ten behind Michigan, who lost a couple of guys but still has the number one class. Yeah, I, I wonder about it. And you know, they also lost Castleton. The key for them is it, it was Livers returning. He's a big factor for them, and they think he will return. They think he will pull out of the draft and, and pull his name out and play again for Michigan this year. And he, he would be – and that's the difference maker for them. If they got him, they're going to be pretty good. If they don't, they're going to have a problem. It is 10.54. I need to take one final break. We'll do that and be back with more after this here on DWS. 10.57. Well, I found a Saturday sports talk in the final moments of this week's edition. Mr. Tate has been crunching some numbers over there during well, the break. Yeah, I, this, these numbers were sent to me, and, and uh, Edgy Tim talked about, and, and we kind of went along, I think, that we felt that maybe people were leaving the state of Illinois uh, in, greater, uh, in greater numbers than we uh, believe. Uh, the enrollment in public, and this is public, secondary and 
elementary schools was 1.8 in 1990, and it's just over 2.0, 2 million now. So uh, it's gone up barely. Now, other uh, regions have gone up more dramatically, gone up faster, but Illinois is not losing uh, numbers. They're actually, they've actually gone up since 1990. That's public schools, elementary and secondary. Something else that's been pushed back, as many things have in the last uh, couple of months, is the Illinois High School Association vote on uh, the uh, state yeah. basketball tournaments. They hope to do that at a meeting in June. Yeah, I hope they, I hope they can hold the meeting, and maybe they can. I, I know they'd like to have the meeting in person, but uh, what do you think? Is that going to be a Zoom, or is that going to be in person? I don't know. They're, they obviously, as you said, they want to have it in, in person if they can. I think June 16th maybe was the date that uh, they talked about. Of course, um, Champaign has a bid in, so does Peoria for the boys, and Peoria has a bid with Normal. Bloomington Normal for the girls. Okay. So that's what's up for grabs. And I think um, the folks around here are feeling confident about their bid. I don't know that the delay in time has an effect one way or the other. I just don't know how that might affect I it. would think that most people knew how they were going to vote right. at the time the vote was supposed to be held, but the vote was postponed. Yep. So that will be coming uh, within the next month, we hope. And hopefully it's good news uh, for Champaign-Urbana, which had the uh, contract and had the tournament, uh, the boys' tournament, so for so many years until just uh, the last few years, the last, well, I guess 20 years, 25 years, it's been gone. <laughs> Talk about time flying. How's that? 25 years ago, Illinois lost the uh, state tournament, Lord. Yeah, I, I think that, I think you're going to see the tournament back here. What do you think? I got a feeling that's the way it's going myself, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Appreciate your time, Mr. Tate. Thanks for being a bully and thanks for hanging in with a guy that uh, is getting all choked up just being with you here this morning <laughs> thanks to our guests as well Howard Griffith Tim O'Halloran Edgy Tim Illinois assistant basketball coach Stephen Gentry and Jeremy Wu from Sports Illustrated thanks to the folks that called in as well we'll talk to you again next week thanks to uh, Blake Landa for his assistance on the show on WDWS Champaign-Urbana for Lauren Tate this is Steve Kelly have a good weekend everybody